everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Women in Tech SEO podcast. I'm Marie Jabali. I am the founder of Women in Tech SEO. Today's episode is one that I'm really, really excited about. It's all about XML sitemaps. And joining me today is the brilliant Michelle Race. She's a senior technical SEO at DeepCrawl. Hey, Michelle. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. This season has been sponsored by Novos. Novos, the e-commerce SEO agency, has won multiple awards for their SEO campaigns, including Best Global SEO Agency of the Year, two years running. Trusted by over 150 global e-commerce brands, including the likes of Bloomin' Wild, Patch and Thread, Novos provides tech e-commerce SEO expertise with a creative edge. They have been named as one of 2021's best workplaces in the UK and with a diverse, gender-balanced team are a culture-first agency. The great news is that you can join them. They're hiring senior digital PR and SEO strategists. Visit thisisnovos.com or follow on LinkedIn at thisisnovos. I was, I was so excited when I saw that pitch come through because as, as geeky as it sounds, I love XML sitemaps. I love everything about them. So I love the fact that you actually pitched that across. Thank you for that. No worries. I feel like they're often a bit forgotten about. So I wanted to try and change that. 100%. Yeah. So can we get started by knowing a little bit more about you, how you got into the world of SEO? Yeah, sure. So after uni, um, I worked at a few agencies as a front-end web developer, um, just building website templates. My last agency then decided to stop building websites, and my boss at the time said, oh, why don't you look into technical SEO, as they didn't currently have an expert. Um, It was a bit daunting at first, but actually knowing things like HTML helped a lot with understanding the basic tags. And then over the years, I taught myself with lots of help from Google help forums and documentation and I was head of technical SEO there for quite a long time but then in November last year I joined DeepCrawl as a senior technical SEO and now I work in a team of other amazing technical SEOs and um, it's so fun I love it. Yeah you work with such awesome people like some of the best women I know in tech SEO work there so I can I can imagine how amazing it is to be working alongside them. Yeah, I feel very lucky. <laughs> and how, how did you find the whole like agency versus non-agency life? Yeah, it, it was definitely a big change. Um, and definitely at DeepCrawl, I get to work with larger enterprise clients. And yeah. um, there's a lot of differences there. So yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I love that. I've, I have I used to be agency side for a little bit over five years before I moved in-house. And I definitely prefer in-house. Um, and I can imagine how exciting it is in DeepCrawl getting to work with all kinds of clients as well. Yes, definitely. Awesome. And then like for women who are just starting out in the industry, because with our audience base, we have, you know, women from all walks of life. Like any any advice you would give them? Um, so for me personally, I found it a lot easier to understand technical SEO, knowing things like HTML and how a page should be structured. So I'd recommend trying to learn the basics of things like HTML and also set up a website if you can, because it's really good for testing. Um, and then obviously join um, communities like Women in Tech SEO. Um, and also Twitter is a great resource to follow experts and ask questions. And then definitely join the Google Webmaster Hangouts because you just get so much useful information from those. Um, back when I was learning, it was mainly just the forums. So the Hangouts are just a really good way of being able to ask those very easily 
and quickly. That's such good advice. I, I remember always reading a lot of the recaps of these hangouts. I've never actually, I think I probably felt a bit overwhelmed joining it. I wasn't sure what the setup was going to be. And if I had to be, you know, I, if I had to make sure that I'm going to ask questions, but whenever I read the recaps or I hear about people who join them, I always hear a lot of positive things. Yeah, I'm definitely a lurker on the Hangouts, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm such a, me too. <laughs> I'm definitely a lurker as well. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, so we're here today to talk about XML sitemaps. I remember when I first discovered how important they were when I was just getting started in my technical SEO career. So for people who are fairly new to the topic, um, what are XML sitemaps? Um, so essentially, XML sitemaps are a list of the important URLs in your website provided for search engines, um, and they help to speed up discovery of URLs and helps Google to understand how your website is structured, um, a bit like a roadmap of your site. They normally sit at the root of a website, but you can name them anything you like. So sometimes they can be a bit hard to find. I normally check um, the robots.txt first via sitemap reference. But then you can also check Search Console to see what has been submitted there. And then you can always try combinations like slash sitemap.xml. But there's no requirement to link them in robots, so sometimes they can be a bit tricky to find. There are a few guidelines to follow for sitemaps. So the maximum number is 50,000 URLs in a sitemap, and it has to be under 50 megabytes uncompressed. You also need specific tags to be valid. So I'll definitely pull up the documentation to make sure that you've included all the required ones as well. Yeah, and we can make sure that we link as well to some of that main guidelines and documentation in the show notes, just so that it's it's helpful for others who might be approaching the topic uh, on a in a fairly new way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, like I was really excited when I saw your pitch uh, because... In the last two years, even of doing women in tech SEO, I've never had a, a workshop pitch or, a, or or even a podcast one that's come through specifically about this topic. So I'd love to dig a bit deep and know more about like why you love XML sitemaps and why you feel they're very important. Well, I just think they're an amazing resource, um, just not just for search engines, but also technical SEOs. Um, and sometimes I think they can be set up um, and quickly forgotten about or not checked or optimized because there's a lot of different ways that you can set them up. Um, for search engines, obviously the benefits are if they're set up correctly, they're an easy to access list of your important URLs. And I will be saying important URLs quite a lot in this. Um, they can be used to easily highlight new or updated pages um, for search engines to crawl and recrawl. You can also provide search engines with a lot of information for search. So you can include things like images, hreflang, and you can also make um, special sitemaps so things like videos or google news um, but you have to make sure that you read the documentation carefully so there are some differences for google google news sitemaps um, for example they should only contain a thousand urls and only articles from the past two days so there are some differences in how you set them up um, to be aware of and then for technical seos they're really good for analysis um, you can include sitemaps within crawls and you can find issues like orphaned pages, errors and diagnose poor internal linking. But you can also submit them in Search Console and there are specific error and excluded reports just for submitted URLs. And you can also analyse individual sitemaps and narrow down indexing issues or trends, which is really good for larger websites when you just want a bit more um, focus on where to look at first. 
Yeah, and I and I can imagine this is you know the bigger the website is, the more challenging it can potentially be to you know look look into sitemaps in more detail, like analyze them, audit them, and so forth, as opposed to a fairly straightforward website that has very similar templates. Yeah, definitely. Um, the amount of information when you just look at all discovered URLs compared to submitted URLs, you can just make sure that you look at errors just for. I don't know, your specific category sitemap, which may be more important than, say, your product one. Um, and it helps find issues a lot quicker. So you can see trends if there's an issue with a product template, whether, I don't know, they're all set to no index, that would show a lot faster, for example. Yeah. And I think even though Google Search Console still gets a lot of heat in terms of it, you know, it might not be as helpful or it's missing data, but a lot of the more recent in the past year or so updates have made it so helpful to know exactly what's wrong with one sitemap and so forth. Yeah, definitely. Um, the fact that you can just see coverage for submitted sitemaps, I think, is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do you feel that every single website needs an XML sitemap? So not necessarily if it's a small website. So Google in the documentation says um, 500 URLs or fewer doesn't really need one. But in my opinion, if it's simple to create one, um, especially if it's dynamic, then uh, you may as well because you do get specific submitted reports for analysis in Search Console and you can provide that extra information like last modified dates and you can include things like images and hreflang. Um, the main benefit for websites is if your website is new or if it's large and has pages that may be hard to find via crawling. So this just gives a clear list of them. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes even when you're analyzing a website or crawling it or so forth, just um, crawling it in terms of seeing what's in the sitemap and what's not. Yeah, you can get a lot of information from that and it can really, really help you. Yeah, exactly. And if you you just want to check your important pages for, I don't know, what the page titles are, you can easily just use that sitemap list to find, you know, just analyze those pages. So having that list also benefits um, you as a technical SEO because you have already have that important list for checking. Yeah. So what would you say are some of the things that should absolutely be included in an XML sitemap? So your sitemap should include your canonical URLs. So these should be the URLs you want indexed and it should contain a 200 status code. It should also be an absolute URL. So this means it should contain the domain and the preferred protocols such as HTTP or HTTPS um, and W or non-W. One thing to be or make sure of is that I've seen it in the past where a URL, a website can be available via W and non-W and then a sitemap is generated for both versions. And then in those sitemaps, you get the W version and the non-W into sitemaps. And that can be very confusing for Google. So normally you'd have a redirect to the preferred version, but that's just something to be aware of that sometimes you can get extra sitemaps generated um, that you may not realize and then you want to make sure that your canonical URLs are also linked in the web crawl as well. They could be considered doorway pages if they are not linked, um, which obviously can get penalised. Your URL should also be UTF-8 encoded and escaped. And also make sure that any useful information for search is included. So you may want to include things like images um, or videos or make things like Google News Sitemap. You can also include your alternate versions. So hreflang can be placed entirely within an XML sitemap. This can be a good solution if you have a lot of hreflang annotations because it will take up 
um, less room on the page. And then make sure you only use one hreflang implementation method. That's the only thing I would say, because I've seen it in the past where um, it's implemented both in the XML sitemap and in the head tags, um, and then sometimes in the HP header as well. And although it won't be an error as such, if you have different hreflangs in each of these, it can send very confusing signals, and it's often harder to analyze and kind of um, fix it. So that is the only thing I would say about that. And then you can also include mobile alternates as well. If you have a separate mobile website, you can include that in your XML sitemap too. That's such good advice about hreflang implementation. I know I, I've I've seen previously a few people kind of recommend it as one of the ways with when it comes to internationalization. So thank you for adding the different caveats as well and what people need to be aware of and need to make sure of because this is one of the things that can easily go wrong. Yes, definitely. Um, I've seen it in the past where there's different hreflang implementations in two different methods and it's just very hard to unpick it and then Google gets very confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And in terms of the things that we should make sure we, we absolutely avoid when it comes to XML sitemaps, what comes to mind there? So generally you want to avoid non-indexable URLs in your sitemaps. So examples of these would be URLs which are broken, um, no indexed, canonicalized or redirecting as well, avoid putting pagination, paginated URLs or session ID URLs, and those that are blocked by robots.txt, and then duplicate URLs as well. So this isn't strictly um, an error, but you don't need to include URL more than once in a sitemap or put the same URL in multiple sitemaps. There's no benefit to this, and you're just increasing the size of your sitemaps. Um, so I would avoid that if possible. And then also don't um, include pages behind a login, such as admin pages, because Google won't be able to access those. There are exceptions, though. Um, so it is recommended when doing the migration um, and also in the Google documentation for site moves to upload an XML sitemap of your old URLs when you migrate. So this is useful for a couple of reasons. It helps Google to crawl and find the redirects, but you can also track as the old URLs fall from the index as well. So you can see as the index count for those drops. And it's also the same, um, for instance, if you have a lot of no index pages that you're trying to uh, remove from the index. So if you want Google to see these faster, you can submit these via a separate sitemap temporarily and track their index status. Again, both of these shouldn't be long-standing sitemaps. They should be temporary, but they are really good for both of those reasons. And another thing to avoid is putting everything in the sitemap. So not everything needs to go in. Only include your important URLs. Would you want a user to find that URL in search, for example? So some tools and plugins which automatically generate sitemaps and will include everything by default. You should be selective and make sure that anything not necessary is not included. It doesn't mean that it won't be indexed. It just means that you're not showing it as a priority for Google. So example, if you have been blog category listing pages, you may not want those in there. Yeah, that's excellent advice. I mean, everything from, you know, potentially paginated content, uh, content or tags, uh, e-commerce sites and all the different variations of uh, filters or search or things like that. Um, and you're right, like, especially with, uh, people who are relying on plugins that are that automatically come in with CMSs, um, and then what ends up happening is it just takes every single URL on your site and outputs it in the sitemap. So that's that's excellent advice. 
yeah it it can be um it can really increase the size of your sitemap as well so that's why it's always good to just crawl your sitemap and just double check what's in there and in terms of you know you you have a, a brand new site that you're investigating you're you've you've done some auditing to it you can see that there are um, some problems with its XML sitemaps. What kind of tips do you have on how you can potentially improve it? What are the, the common type of things that might potentially come up that you can recommend um, you know, to website developers and so forth to take a look at and improve? Yeah, sure. So the first thing I would check is for any orphaned URLs. So this is when a URL is found in an XML sitemap, but not in the web crawl. So you can find these by crawling the website with a tool like DeepCrawl, shameless plug, um, or another tool like Screaming Frog, and including your XML sitemaps within the web crawl. If an orphan URL highlighted is important, it can signal internal linking issues. Maybe the crawler couldn't find it for some um, reason that you need to investigate, or it could just not be linked at all. And in that case, I would definitely be trying to link that within the website. Sometimes dynamic sitemaps can cause unintended URLs to be accessible and indexed. So as I said earlier, some tools can include everything which isn't set to a draft or no index. So this means a new page in the admin, which you don't think anyone can find because it isn't linked, is now shown in Google. And I do have a funny related story to this. So at my last agency, I was reviewing orphan URLs for a client and I found a concerning page with a URL, which was someone's name is a followed by a rude word, which I'm not going to repeat here. I was really shocked <laughs> and I thought maybe it's a you know, an angry you know ex-worker who's maybe been fired. But it turns out it was actually the boss who made it for a laugh in the admin and he didn't realise that it would be indexed without being linked oh, no. to. <laughs> so it was a very awkward situation where we found it and we then had to tell them about it. And it wasn't ranking for much, obviously, but it's Ooh. a good reminder of why you should check what's in your sitemap. Yeah. It was, it was a strange one. But the more common things that I found find are when PBC landing pages are made and they're not linked in the website but they're not set to no index um, and that means they end up being indexed because of this setting that you know keeps them in the sitemap and then you find out that your organic pages are competing with your PBC pages which have actually accidentally been indexed um, so that's the more common issue that I find for orphaned pages. Yeah that's really good advice and I think definitely it's one as well where we need to make sure that we're working quite closely with our PPC teams um, and we're doing these checks and we, we're not just working in silo and it ends up that you, you don't notice that stuff if we're not keeping tabs on activity from both ends. Yeah, definitely, because you, you may not know that these pages are being created and the first instance that you'll know is when you see them as the orphan pages. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then, so other than orphan pages, what other common themes do you tend to come across or really important things for us to check? Um, so another recommendation would be about making sure your sitemaps are dynamic and up to date. So this is the best case scenario and it may not be possible for each website, but ideally each um, XML sitemap should update as a page is deleted or set to no index. So that page is also removed from the XML sitemap. Crawl budget is a consideration for larger websites and you don't want to add extra URLs necessary to crawl via your XML sitemaps. If it is static, it's generally a snapshot of the website at the time the sitemap was created. This may be fine if no new pages are being added, but it can really go out of date very quickly. 
Um, keeping your sitemap up to date is really important for e-commerce sites, especially which have ever changing stock. Ideally, when a product goes out of stock or is discontinued, it should also be removed from the XML sitemap. Um, the reason for this is that the priority is then placed on in-stock and new products. And then another recommendation would be to use the last modified property. So this is a timestamp of when the page is last updated. If it's an accurate timestamp, Google will use this to help prioritize crawling because it will see that the page has been updated and, you know, put it, you know, move it to the top of the list. But it has to be accurate and not the same. So if it's duplicate, it's likely it will be ignored. There are other properties like priority and change frequency, which are not used by Google. So if you do have these, Google will not be using them. And then it's also recommended to use index and child sitemaps. For large websites especially, you're going to need multiple sitemaps if you have more than 500,000 URLs. So to manage these, you can create child sitemaps and then link via one index. But please don't nest index files because that will not be valid. And I have seen that in the past. This is a lot easier as you, then you can just add one URL, which is your index file linked to in your robots.txt. And then you just submit that one in Search Console. The only issue with that is that if you only submit an index file in Search Console, you won't get to view specific index coverage reports for the child sitemaps. So you have to submit child sitemaps individually to get access to this information. If you do decide to submit them individually, it does take a while for the report to show. So don't panic if it doesn't show up straight away. And then finally, I would always recommend to create sitemaps based on types, which can really help your analysis. So if you have um, sitemaps for your products or categories or templates, for example, you can then submit them individually and you can detect indexing trends or issues a lot easier. I would just recommend making sure they're named appropriately so that you can understand which is which from the name because um, sitemap with just net, like numbers is not helpful to anyone. <laughs> yeah, and I think specifically on that, on that point, uh, the bigger the website is, the more important for us to bear that in mind in terms of splitting stuff up by template as opposed to having these massive jumbled up sitemaps that everything is all over the place. We just make it so much easier to to split things by template. Yeah, and I would definitely, um, if you can, also not try and hit the 50,000 URL limit. I would try and uh, decrease mm -hmm. the limit um, to about 10,000 per sitemap because you can detect um, indexing issues a lot or you can analyze it a lot easier if there's a smaller subset, for example. Yeah, that's that's excellent advice. And something I, I wanted to touch on before we kind of wrap up, we mentioned it briefly at the start, which is Google Search Console. And the reason I want to understand specifically from Google Search Console is because it's a free tool and absolutely everyone does or should really have access to it. So how, how would we go about analyzing our sitemaps using Google Search Console? Yeah, so the first thing that um, Search Console can tell you is if there are any errors with your sitemap. And you'll normally see this uh, quite soon after submission via the, mind, via the main sitemap screen. But then on the analysis side, um, once you've submitted them, you can view the coverage report for them. So if you're in the coverage report on the drop down at the top, you can change to all submitted URLs. And this will cover everything in all sitemaps. If you have individually submitted ones, you can then select the sitemap that you wish to view. And then you're just viewing all the reports based on that sitemap. Um, so there are specific reports for the sitemap. So invalid, you'll see submitted an index. 
in here you'll want to see a high proportion of your sitemap URLs in here if you've set it up correctly as they should only contain your important URLs any reasons shown in excluded should then take a bigger priority for analysis and fixing in excluded you will see reports such as submitted URL returns for example no index or 404 blocked by robots these are quite obvious how to fix, but as I said earlier, it's a good um, indication of issues that may be affecting your key pages that you've put in your sitemap. The other reports that you may see in there is duplicates submitted not seen as canonical. This is where Google has chosen not to index the submitted URL as it looks to be duplicate. So Google thinks there's a better candidate for canonical than the one you've put in your XML sitemap. Inspecting this using URL inspectors should show what's been chosen instead. So here I would be first checking that the canonical is set up correctly on the page you've submitted and that you've added the correct URL in the XML sitemap. If those are correct, then making sure that internal linking makes it easy to access the page as internal linking is another signal that Google uses to choose a canonical. So it may um, think that the canonical is not correct based on that. And then after that, I would just be checking for rendering issues um, that could be affecting the canonical being seen or it could point to duplicate and content problems where another page is very similar and maybe could be better linked, for example, um, that Google is picking instead. And then finally, you'll see reports that could be crawled, currently not indexed, and this can point to a thin or duplicate content issue. This could just be a case of checking for duplication and adding more unique content. And then finally, discovered, currently not indexed. This could be a sign of crawl budget issues. So it could be that the page contains auto or user-generated content and that Google considers the pages not to be worth their time. Again, um, I would just looking for duplicate content issues and checking whether more unique content uh, more unique content can be added to these pages and also checking the internal links to them as well. Yeah, this is so helpful. And, and I think it's, you know, it's such untapped territory. There's so much in there that a lot of people actually don't look at or don't rely on. And it's it's so much you know, free analysis that's being provided to us. So I, I, I know it's tough to try to summarize a lot of that in such a short period of time, but thank you so much for doing no that. No problem. And, you know, if, if people want to learn more about it or do you have any recommended resources for people to learn even more about XML sitemaps? I would definitely say the Google documentation is the best place to go because there is just so much useful information how to set up, but also recommendations um, for improving it, such as the individual ones you can make, such as the video and the Google News sitemaps. But the Webmaster Hangouts that we spoke about earlier are also really good. And also definitely Twitter asking people like John Mueller um, is always really helpful. And then we also have XML sitemap guides on the Decal website too, which is another shameless plug. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely make sure you you send me a link of that, please, and I'll add it to the show sure notes. Do. And, you know, if people want to stay in touch with you or learn more about you, what's the best way to do that? Twitter is probably the best place. Uh, my username is Shelly Webb. Um, but I'm on there quite frequently, uh, retweeting lots of useful articles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that, Michelle. No, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for being the only person to ever pitch XML sitemaps to me. That makes me so happy. No problem. Um, I hope it was helpful. And I'm, 
I'm really happy I got to do this. It was it was so helpful. And I'm so, so happy you got to join us. And, you know, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, please do connect with Michelle if you have any other questions that come through. Uh, we're out with a new episode every single Tuesday. We chat with a new brilliant woman on a new SEO topic. And you can find us on all podcast platforms. So please do subscribe. You can learn more about us on womenintechseo.com. Thanks so much, Michelle. Thank you.